Hello and welcome to Improving Scottish Football. My name is Kieran, and today on the podcast, I'm joined by football marketing expert Michael Bockel. We're going to be discussing the results of a recent poll that was sent out to gauge fan opinion on a number of important issues. Specifically, today we're going to be asking why can alcohol be sold at the football in England but not in Scotland? Does our league need restructured? And can the playoffs? be made even better if you haven't done so already please do subscribe to the podcast and please share it with your friends we're obviously still building an audience in these early episodes and we can only do that with uh, with your guys help so um, thanks very much for listening that's enough of me let's jump into the episode right Hello, everyone, and welcome to Improving Scottish Football. I am delighted to be joined by Michael Bockel. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Kieran. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good as well. Um, can we kick this off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and, and your involvement in, in Scottish football? Yeah, certainly. Um, my main involvement in Scottish football started as when I was head of digital at the Scottish FA for five years. So I was responsible for all the online output um, for the, the governing body, which included obviously Scotland national teams, which everybody associates, uh, the Scottish cap, the, the wider game in, in general, grassroots football, um, coach education um, and such like. So as I said, did that for five years and then, Moved on, um, and, and really as a, a sort of sports marketing consultant, worked on on various clients within football and other sports, and um, currently I'm on the management committee at Highland League side Nairn County, and really do um, responsible for all their marketing and um, try to push the club forward off the pitch where I can. Great. Well, I definitely want to touch on uh, marketing and and how Scottish football is marketed with you. But uh, actually, the first thing I, I want to kind of get stuck into is a poll that you and Chris Samson uh, put on Twitter. So obviously, hugely scientific here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you, you know, you got like almost 700 responses to pretty much every question in what was it a 24 hour window? Is that how long it's up? Yeah. For? Yeah. So um, I'd had this idea that. You know, there's a lot. Everybody's got an opinion on Scottish football. I spoke to Chris and I was like, I've got this idea for these sort of a, a thread of polls on Twitter just to gauge where we're at and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we, we kind of developed it. Um, Chris added in a few questions and, yeah, ran it. Look, as you say, it was a Twitter poll or Twitter poll. So it's not it's not going to be the most scientific thing, as you say. Um, but, I thought I think it gave a good indication of, of where where things are and where the thoughts are on a lot of things. And you're never going to get full agreement of, of anything in football in general, especially within Scotland. But I think it, it highlighted um areas where it's probably worth further investigation. And and you know, the underlying message of it all really was any sort of major decision in Scotland, the fans should be consulted. You yep. know, I think yep. that's what we saw with the Conference League is that, you know, it was fan pressure at the end of the day that helped drive that or, or cancel it, basically, because if not, that would have just went under the radar. We're not under the radar, but it would have got voted through because clubs weren't getting pressurised. It was an easy cop-out, um, and that's it. So, yeah, hopefully 
Um, not saying that Fred of Poles is going to inspire anything, but can get people thinking um, going forward that actually more farm con- consultations required. Absolutely. And it's another big reason why I started this podcast is to actually have some sort of home for conversation where we can talk about the changes that we want to see. So I tell you what, let's work our way down this uh, this poll um if we can and and just talk about some of these some of these big issues and and tell us tell us where the kind of the fan opinion currently lies yeah certainly so the first question on it was um should fans uh, be allowed to buy alcohol uh, again in scotland of uh, f- football and i think obviously that comes from the fact that pretty much any other sport in scotland you can have a drink uh, while watching it and um in Scotland, you've not been able to have a, a beer or a alcoholic drink at a game of football since 1980, which at the time of recording is 43 years ago. So um, it's, I think it highlights a little bit of the, the second-class nature that Scottish football fans get treated as. Um, you can easily go to the rugby, get a bottle of beer in your, your seat. Um, but, for example, I can't get a drink. I couldn't go and buy a beer uh, to watch Nairn County versus Hindley in the Highland League. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a huge issue I think for a lot of fans. It is also an issue that's got a you know a wide range of opinions on certainly there needs to be a a big conversation about it because it keeps getting swept under the carpet. But the reality is this ban was made in 1980. It is the ban is older than you and I. Right, you're not. You're not. Older no, no, yeah, it's definitely older than you. <laughs> um, things things have changed, and the fact that in England, a nation that is associated with hooliganism more than any other country, the fact that you can get you can buy alcohol in stadiums in England, and you can't in Scotland, is ridiculous. Yeah, I think you know you. You touched on a couple of things there. I think, you know, society and culture has changed in Scotland. I think there's still Scotland's got, and I think the argument that's made by the anti-drinking campaigners is that, you know, Scotland's relationship as a whole with alcohol. Um, but, you know, I'd, as we're saying, you know, society and culture's changing. I think, to be fair, um, Neil Doncaster was on a, a Price of Football podcast, and he did say that it was something that they've been looking to have conversations about. But again, I've not seen too much um, of official fan consultation. There's been little bits here and there. I think there was, I might, I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but when I say this, but it was somebody like Sterling University or somebody had done some, was doing some sort of research into it. Um, but, you know, but we, in our poll, the unscientific poll, you know, we asked, they had four options. It was yes, um, it should be allowed at all levels of the game. It should only be allowed at the likes of League One and, and the women's game and below. Um, or it should only be in women's football or continue the ban as a whole. And um, the results was um, 75.6% said it should be, you should be able to get a drink at all levels of the game in Scotland. 11.4% was um, League One and below. Um, point six was just women's football only, and um, there's still twelve percent, you know, that said that they they want to continue the ban, and I think that's again, we don't know the demographic breakdown of this poll and stuff like that, and that's where I think it's worth that of all the topics that we're going to discuss about it, it's the one that you know I would like to see more 
research done into it, more um, feasibility studies, whatever it needs to be, because the further you get down the pyramid, the difference it can make would be massive. Again, I can speak from it from, from a near county point of view, but the attractiveness for people just to have a bit of a day out and come with their mates and have a couple of beers um, during a day and then go home after the football is quite attractive. We, anecdotally, we've heard from a lot of pe- our fans uh, that uh, and people that don't come regularly to Station Park that that would be more attractive for them to come to the game. The revenue that we would get from it would obviously be significant uh, or hopefully would be significant. And I'm not just talking about beer sales, but also talking about the chance you could sell pouring rights for the whole league or leagues, you know, and then get a share of that revenue. So, you know, there, there's a lot of class points to it. Again, there'll be people with counter arguments to it, but I think, um, as I say, it's, we're at that point in, in time where I think something seriously needs, a serious grown up conversation needs to be had about it because, I've heard or read interviews from people from Police Scotland and other parties come out and it's point blank, shooting it down before it gets beyond anything. And, and this just painting a picture of football fans in Scotland, which I think is unfair. Um, and yeah, you go any team and, and there'll be some, you know, unruly individuals, but not all the time, you know, and is it any different to rugby fans or those that are going to a concert in Hamden or Maryfield. Um so yeah, I think uh, as I say, grown up conversations that people can um take off their their sort of tunnel vision and, and look at the bigger picture. Yeah. No, completely agree with everything you've just said there. This is such a big topic. <laughs> I'll definitely be doing like an uh a specific episode about this in due course and I'm going to do everything I can to actually, you know, keep on pushing the the conversation as I'm sure you will and and hopefully others do as well. You know, I listened to that Neil Doncaster interview as well, uh which you referenced, uh which is the price of football, is that right? Yeah. They can go Yeah, he does state that this is a Scottish government issue. Yeah, yeah. I bet influenced by police Scotland. Right, okay. So that that is that is where um the issue needs to be taken up. But just, you know, a couple of things you know, from my perspective on this, I actually brought a couple of, you know, English friends, you know, up to up to a game last year. And they were like, okay, great. You know, do you want a pint? Yeah, you know, and I was like, you can't buy alcohol in Scottish grounds. They were like, what? Yeah. I was like, yeah, sorry. It's been banned since 1980. They were like, why? What? Like, they just cannot understand because, yeah. In England, it was only banned for five years. Yeah, they can do everything in England. Honestly, you can't tell me that we're that we're worse than the English. And you know, the whole kind of Scotland's got a bad relationship with alcohol. I could argue that possibly you know part of it is fueled by this alcohol ban because what you end up getting is people binge drinking the hell out of a Saturday um, late morning lunchtime because they know they can't drink sensibly in the in the stadium you know so you know you'll you'll find people smuggling stuff in and i i i i think it's just so much nicer just to have it in a in in a more um official and licensed and controlled way but anyway like i say it's <laughs> it's a big conversation is is that fair what i've said is there any do, do you want to come yeah, back on no, that i think you know the the one thing i um 
I've heard before loads of times when it comes to that is that oh if you can't go ninety minutes without a drink you know that highlights the problem. But for a lot of people, it's not about wanting to go out and get pissed before it or you know after it. It's about just going to something that you love watching with your mates and having a sociable couple of beers or drinks and stuff like that. And that's taken away from people as well. Is that you know. But you know, as you say, we could you could talk about this all night, and some people are never going to change their opinions either, um, which is an unfortunate thing. But uh, hopefully, some progress is made, and and, and I I want to say, in the coming, the end by the end of the season, but that's probably setting an unrealistic uh, target. But you'd like to see some progress at some point. Yep. All right. Best we move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll get stuck here all evening. Okay. So. Hot, uh, hot button issue uh, number two, please, Michael. Is the ideal structure of the Scottish Premiership. So with this vote, we had uh, keep it 12 teams, 14 teams, 16 teams or 18 teams. Um, the most popular um, with 48% of the vote was 16 teams, um, followed by 18 teams at 21%, 14 teams at 15%, and uh, 12 teams also at 15%. Okay, and obviously that you know people can't give their reasoning or anything. But what's your kind of you know reading of that situation? I think the a common complaint within Scottish football amongst the SPFL of all uh, divisions within the SPFL is that the fact that you end up playing the same teams four times at least four times a season. That's not including cup games. Uh, so you're the monotony monotony of. Uh, you know, playing the same teams, you know, and, and looking for something, a bit of variety. And, but the problem is, you know, there's, there's, there's probably two things to it. One, there's the broadcast television contracts, which require set of V Rangers, Rangers V set to happen four times a, a season. Uh, and then you've got, do we have enough depth to make a top division? I would argue, and it's a personal opinion only that 18 teams is too much of a stretch for a top division of a country of our size uh, to have the you know disparity between what would be the top two and the bottom two or three would be absolutely huge. But I think there is merits in um, exploring fourteen or sixteen teams. But again, requires on clubs to vote for through on this and um, an appetite to happen um, beyond the fans. And I, at the moment in time, I don't believe it's there. Mm. Yeah, definitely needs to be uh, talked about. My personal view is, yeah, 14, maybe 16. Um, I do get the monotony. Monotony? Not that easy to say, Monotony. (laughs) I... um, I can understand why players and managers stay, you know, the the high profile players and managers stay within the Scottish football for a couple of years and then and then move on because it it's um there's only so many times that you can you can keep on doing it. and I I just think a little bit of variation isn't just great for players and managers it is good for fans just to have to be able to go to some more grounds to have that extra little bit of um excitement but yeah as you say it's a balancing act of not diluting the um, the the quality too much. Yeah. The other big thing for me is by expanding the league, 
in theory, your third, fourth, fifth place team should be picking up more points more regularly against the lower sides because they're maybe having to play Celtic and Rangers less. Therefore, the gap to the top two might close. Yeah, so I've seen that's a, a valid point. I think, you know, the arguments against um, the league being bigger is that you end up with too many meaningless games. And I know John on the previous podcast talked about a playoff between third to eighth, for example, for European places, which would help, you know, quell that. I think it's interesting. I read something. I can't remember who tweeted it. And apologies if they're listening and it was them. Um, but they were talking about how if Man City had to play you know, the same Southampton four times in a season, the gap between Man City and, and maybe one or two other teams and the rest of the league would be a lot bigger again because it would just they're playing the same teams over and over. So um whether that would be the case, I'm I'm not uh I, I don't know for, for certain, but I thought it was an interesting thing in terms of as you say, if you only have to if other teams only have to play Celtic and Rangers twice or four times in total it gives them a lot more opportunities to pick up points um, and close that gap but you know that's part, probably part of the reason with, with Scottish football is as well as consistency of some of the um, performances um, against other teams but yeah that that's where it is I don't I'll be honest I don't really know where I sit I definitely probably would want to see an expanded division just for that um, variety, whether it's 14 or 16 teams, um, I think that's one that would need to be looked at a bit more. Oh, right. Well, you've just preempted me because I was literally about to say, what's your personal opinion, yeah. Michael? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one. And then the, it's not just deciding the number of teams, it's like how many times can they play it and when do you have to introduce a split if you introduce a split at all? There's quite a bit of maths, actually, you, you need to work out. Yeah, and it is the balance that they don't want to be creating extra fixtures as well because, you know, it's already a packed fixture schedule. Um, and once you start postponements happening or European games and, and things like that, you know, the, the three weeks start uh, diminishing pretty quickly. Yeah. Did you give us the... Um, you gave us the, the percentages there, did yeah, you? Yeah, the most popular was uh, 16 teams with 48%. Yeah, okay. So, the, I mean, there's no doubt that the, the, the majority of this hugely scientific poll are in favour of some form of expanded league. Yeah, only 15% wanted to keep it as is. Okay, great. Cool. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to number three then, please. Yeah, so it was the consistency of the Scottish Premiership playoffs. So if you're in... Um, bottom of the Championship, top of League One, or bottom of League One, top of League Two... Um, second bottom plays fourth in a two-legged semi-final um, and second v third um, play in a two-legged semi-final and then the winner obviously of both ties meet in a two-legged playoff final but in the Scottish Premiership um, it's different to get into it so fourth in the championship has to play third over two legs then the winner of that then has to play second over two legs and then the winner of that then plays the second bottom of um, the Premiership over two legs. So in Park Thistle's case, um, most recently they ended up having to play the four, the first fourth place team to get to the final, and then was nearly the fourth, <laughs> the first fourth place team to to go up. Obviously, but it didn't quite work out. But that was six games they had to play in a playoff sequence, which 
you know, personally, I think the the, the as we've seen, you know, the the odds are stacked way against uh, that team. So we asked the question: Should it be uh, changed to eleventh uh, versus fourth um, to keep it consistent, um, or keep as is? And sixty one percent wanted to change it, um, and thirty nine percent wanted to uh, keep as is. So uh, that that's where where it was. Okay. What's your personal opinion on it? I'm all for more excitement, and I think, um, and I'll probably lead on to the next one actually. But I would like to see it uh, changed to make it fairer. Uh, I think it's about. I think when you talk about it throughout the whole pyramid of more fluidity uh, in terms of um, teams going up and down, um, I think yeah, I would like to see it changed. But that's personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, given that Partick played six games, yeah, and you know, yes, they obviously did not have a good ending, but that was literally in the last thirty minutes of six games of football. Uh, up until then, they'd been absolutely brilliant. So you could argue that you know that that journey might have had a bit of an impact on 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 their outcome. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, let's move on to the next one because yeah, it is it's closely related. Yeah. So playoff finals should they be two-legged finals as they are, or one match at a neutral venue? So a little bit, uh, well, very similar to what happens uh, down south in England. Um, and the vote for that was seventy-nine percent wanted it to move to a one-match neutral venue, uh, and. 21% wanted to keep as is. Yeah, I'm I'm all for this. Um the playoff works brilliantly in England. You know, the teams going to Wembley, it's such a massive event, such a big TV spectacle. And it's an opportunity for these clubs to go to a huge venue that they wouldn't otherwise you know, go to, you know, can you imagine, you know, if if the Partick Thistle versus Ross County was at Hampden or at least, you know, at some, you know, decent sized neutral venue, I think that would definitely would have made more of a, a special, uh, a special event and provides the fans an amazing opportunity to go to either the National Stadium or, or somewhere significant that they really do not get to go to very often. I think there's two ways of looking at that. I think, I definitely, I think recency bias, uh, bias would, would have people say, oh, no, keep it two legs, especially after what had happened, um, because, you know, the drama that came at the end of that Ross County Park official game was, was brilliant, you know, as a neutral and um, chances for both teams to win it before it goes to a penalty shootout. But I think when you look at it as a whole and wider, I, I personally, I think uh, a, a one one game uh, final would be brilliant. I don't necessarily agree it should be at Hamden, only because I would rather see it in a stadium where it looks full, um, rather, and that's no disrespect to Ross County and Park Thistle, but I can't see them bringing 50,000 fans between them uh, to, to a game like that. However, if they could fill out a McDermott Park or a Pataudry or a um, Tanadice or whatever it would be uh, for for a game of that like that between those two sides, for example, then I think that would be a great day. And you know that yeah, we saw we, we see every year down south just how much 
drama there can be um, with these games. So I would like to, yeah, personally, I would like to see that. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, next next issue, please. Yeah, so semi-related to relegation and fluidity of the pyramid is League 2 relegation. Should it be one automatically down, two automatically down, one down and one in a playoff, or keep as is, which is currently um, bottom team of League Two plays a playoff against a two-legged playoff against the winner of the Highland League versus Lowland League playoff final. Okay, and oh, overwhelmingly, fifty-four percent wanted one down and one in a playoff. Um, Seven, uh, 21% wanted two automatically down, 17% wanted um, one automatically down, and um, 8% wanted to keep as is. Okay. So you've obviously got experience, obviously, working with a Highland League club. You know, from your perspective, what would that, you know, if we went with a more popular option there, how would that change things for you guys? I think... As for anybody within the pyramid system um, that's below League 2, I think it would be very encouraging. Um, there's a lot of ambitious sides, um, particularly um, within the Lowland League and below. Um, there's some ambitious sides in the Highland League, we're one of them. Um, but I think it would I think it would keep things, personally, keep things fresh and let the ambitious clubs rise to the level that they... I think deserve or, or feel that they should be at um, and then because I think that there's clubs um, uh, within the SPFL that you know we're starting to see it you know um, Berwick Rangers, Cowden Beef uh, you know there's two examples of, of teams that have gone down um, that have in East Stirlingshire as well um, that have struggled um, to to really do anything to be a bit unfair probably on Cowden Beef. Uh, they've only really been down a season, but you know they, they they had a very tough first season in the Lowland League, and you see other teams that like Kelty Hart and, and Cove, who okay, money behind them. Um, but I think it would allow teams to find the right level that they should be at. I think it would just yeah, as I said, keep things fresh, keep and give you know something for clubs. Uh, at non-league level to, to work towards as well and feel like there's a, a fair crack of the whip to get up yeah because currently it's a really tight bottleneck trying yeah. to trying trying to get up um so so difficult so yeah maybe a little bit more fluidity could be explored yeah because I, I generally think if Deacon City had managed to get past Spartans um, I think they would have gone up as well you know so that you, there is teams and I think we'll see more of that uh, hopefully and again that's no disrespect in, you, uh, to the teams within the SPFL but I think there's, there's some clubs that would, wouldn't look out of place within the, the SPFL setup. Mm. Great okay and we'll definitely be doing some sort of uh, episode on on uh, that whole button issue as well at some point in the future. Um, okay right let's move us on Michael please. Yeah uh, would you like to see a Scottish Super Cup Stroke Community Shield, um, simple yes or no, 71% don't want to see it. Um, I think the feeling would be that it would be just an extra Celtic v Rangers game um, for the most part. Obviously, there'd be years when that's not the case, but on the whole, it's a no at the moment. Yep, fine by me. <laughs> uh, the next one was the structure of the Challenge Cup. So, obviously, the Challenge 
cap or SPFL Trust trophy as it is at the moment in time um, has traditionally was um, championship or uh, division one and below uh, as it was at the time um, with but with SPFL sides and most recently non-league went into it and then subsequently B teams and um, non-Scottish teams so guest clubs so the vote was uh, the options were uh, for the structure SPFL and non-league um, SPFL, non-league and B teams SPFL, non-league and non-Scottish teams or include them all 48% just want SPFL and non-league 27% say include them all 17% say SPFL, non-league and non-Scottish and 7.7% there um, want uh, with uh, non-league and B teams so but okay, Scottish uh, SPFL and non-league is forty-eight percent. But when you add up all the rest of them, uh, it's it's more than that. So, yeah, um, it's one that I think proved a bit controversial when you know non non-Scottish teams especially um, were put into it. But um, I'm sure if you speak to fans of the likes of Queen's Park and Dunfermline who got you know, away days to the likes of Wales, England, Northern Ireland and places that they find it thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, from a personal point of view, I quite like the, you know, the out of the box thinking and, you know, just something, just something a bit refreshing, you know, and a chance for these, you know, as you say, supporters to go to places that they wouldn't otherwise be be going to. I mean, do you have a personal kind of opinion on it? Uh, Scottish competition, I kind of would like to see it just stay Scottish clubs, but I understand some of the, the appeal to it. Uh, I, yeah, I'd, but again, I've been my name, Kenny Howe, and I just want to see more only clubs in it, but it kind of probably leads us, leads us on to the next question, which is about should there be an all, all of Scotland non-league cup? Um, and again, it's simple yes or no, um, and 72% of the fans want to see a, a all of Scotland non-league cap uh, as opposed to uh, the 28% that don't and I think it's the equivalent of you know your FA trophies FA Vaz trophy um, that, that happens down south the, the current status is or we're led to believe is that clubs don't really fancy the travel too much in Scotland and particularly clubs within the Highland League um, I think as a club in Neon County we'd definitely be open to it and, and seeing if it worked in the right way, um, we, we wouldn't be averse to it, I don't think. But uh, I can't speak on behalf of uh, any of the other sort of Highland League clubs and things like that. So Yeah, it's a tricky one. It depends how many clubs enter it. I mean, if it's a, you know if it ends up being a huge competition, the amount of travel involved will be... Uh, will yeah, be you could regionalise it to okay. start with. And then you could look at opening it up, or there's different ways. So, I, but here it's one that um, you would need a governing body or somebody to, to manage that one. And I don't think it's top of their agenda if it's not top of the club's agenda at the moment. Cool. All right. Next one, please. Preference on League Cup final is um, keep it before Christmas or move it uh, after Christmas. Obviously, it's, it's kind of flipped um, at the moment in time just with. COVID and then World Cups and, and various things, but um, 65.5% want to keep it before Christmas. So um, that's where it is. So I don't think there's, I think it's the right thing at the moment. If you, again, it's an unscientific poll, but based on, the, the, on that vote. Cool. And then we move on to s- streaming service, really. And we just described a service uh, streaming Scottish football matches. So uh, again, yes or no. 
and, and I think this is where I, I caveat things uh, when people fill in surveys because what they say in a survey and what their behaviours are is not always necessarily marry up. But 87.4% said yes, they would uh, subscribe uh, and 12.6% said no. And I think obviously the current SPFL broadcast deal has flagged a lot of discussion and I'm sure you'll have a podcast on broadcast and, and uh, the various deals and Neil Doncaster again spoke on that Price of Football podcast about uh, the reasons for taking the Sky deal so I'll leave all that discussion to, to that podcast. I think where I think it was a missed opportunity is, uh, particularly during COVID was a centralised pay-per-view streaming platform where as a neutral you could go on and not have to sign up to an individual club's pay-per-view and you would get it all through this service um, and the final question uh, follow-up question to that was if there was a service streaming all Scottish football matches how would that impact you going to say uh, to, to your own match, team's matches and things like that and 85% said they'd keep going 1.3% said they'd stop going and 14.1% said they didn't go anyways so mm. okay very interesting um that was a great uh a great poll michael thanks for thanks for doing that on behalf of all of us thanks for engaging some fan opinion um and you can see some very clear trends on on some of those so um so like i say you know i'll certainly be following up on some of them with this podcast and i think collectively as a fan base we just need to keep this conversation going because if we want to see change in scottish football we have to drive that conversation ourselves. And we saw that with the B teams, as you say. Um, you know, we, we really need to take uh, ownership and, and, and shout about about what we want, about what we yeah, want to see. Yeah, I think it's probably worth flagging at this point. Uh, Supporters Direct Scotland do, I think they're still doing it, the, an annual survey of fans that has got input from the likes of Scottish FA and, and the SBFL. There is groups out there doing this sort of stuff at a bigger scale, but it's it's usually on a, a wide variety of varying topics and, and not specifically on one core thing. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um great. Okay. Well, in that case, I want to just move on briefly to a little bit about uh, marketing and the marketing of Scottish football because that's kind of your bag. That's your um bread and butter really. Can you just give us a bit of an overview as to how Scottish football, you know, is currently marketed, and maybe a little bit about the resources that are actually available to you know to the people, uh, to the governing bodies. You know, you know, how much have they actually got to work with, um, or is it you know, is it have they just got such a limited ability to you know to to, to effectively market Scottish football? Yeah, so I think the the fundamental thing that comes across or you'll see a common complaint is that we do not market ourselves well or sell our game as well um, as a whole. And I think there's, there's a number of reasons for that. I think as fans, we're pretty hard on ourselves um, as a whole, but then there's an expectation that others should be doing it. And they're right, to be fair, you know, the, there's no getting away. You know, uh, one of the common things is you, you hear, how many times do you hear that the English, English Premier League is the best league in the world? You know, that's not just coming from the English Premier League. That is coming from the media. That is coming from everybody in and around the game. Whereas 
In Scotland, I think you, you find people want to detract from it a lot more than build it up. And yeah, as I say, Luke, if you look at where's the first place, if you're looking at marketing the leagues, for example, where's the first place you should be looking? It's the SPFL. Um, and to be fair to the guys that are in there, and when I was at the Scottish FA, there was only two, uh, and they were really just digital uh, in, in social media. Um, they were stretched massively, and I can't imagine things have changed that much um, since uh, I, I was a bit closer to it. But there's, there seems to be, again, in my opinion, a lack of strategy, a lack of um, you know, resource put into it. Uh, and and from there, that every you, you look within Scottish football. So you've, if you've got the SPFL is from, from from a league point of view, then you can work your way down. You know, Lowland League seem to put in a little bit more into what they do. The Highland League don't. Um, the Scottish FA is separate, so they again I'm biased. I, I've been closer to it, um, but I think they do quite a good job uh, around Scotland national team and Scottish cap. Uh, and then you look at some of what some of the individual clubs are doing. And you got again a disparity, but outside Celtic and Rangers, I think the likes of what Aberdeen is probably my go to at the moment in time. I think everybody goes to Motherwell for the content and that and there's no taking away from the content that the likes of Motherwell and, and uh have done. But when you look at the wider what marketing is, because I think a lot of people just get caught up and they get sucked into the world of Twitter and they think social media is marketing and it's a part of it. You know, it, it's, it's one part of a wider thing. But I think if you look at what Aberdeen have done up in Aberdeen as a whole and the, the wider community, um, you know, things they do with their memberships and their young fans and their fan zones and the red shed. And I think they're a great example of, you know, a club dealing with what they've got. But as a game as a whole, you have to look further up. Um, I think you have to... I think everybody's fighting for their own wee bit. And I've got too much self-interest to really want to put the money where the mouth is uh, and do more. Now, people like uh, the late Ron Gordon was quite big on, you know, ring fencing money um, and, and putting it into a centralised marketing pot. And we're, there has been the creation of Scottish football marketing uh, as a entity, if you like, uh, where it's to see uh, it's still to be seen how that's going to pan out at the moment in time they've hired a commercial director um when you read everything it's all about sponsorship and, and generative business development essentially so whether that broadens as an output as an organization or, or what it may be um to support clubs uh, with their marketing efforts is still to be seen but it's what I would uh, probably like to see. Yeah, and I'll definitely be reaching out to Scottish Football Marketing um, to try and get them on the pod and and um, just find out about what their plans are. Um, but yeah, it's interesting what you say. I th- I do think, you know, from my from my understanding that you know there is some seriously limited resources. You know, for example, within the SPFL, um, you know, I don't think they have a huge amount of staff, and the people charged with marketing it. Um, can probably only do so much with with what they've uh, oh, with the resources they've got available. Um, so it'd be great to see, you know, that expanded. Because if you look at like the Eredivisie in um, in the Netherlands, you know, I think you know they've got like um, 
a huge swathe of um, uh, resource just dedicated to marketing. And we've got like one or two people. Yeah, I was fortunate. I was at the KMVB four years ago or so. Um, I was got to see up close, you know, um, you know what the KMVB were doing. But as you say, the Eredivisie um, have a dedicated centralized marketing team, benchmark loads of staff, help support collabs. You know, it's one of the things. You know, Scottish football is a service. Um, you know whether it's a club needs a new website or, or IT security or financial support, marketing support. Love to be able to see, you know, Scottish football get, get to that point, but um, we're a long way from that. And you know, as I say, you I, I talked about how the great work that the likes Aberdeen are doing, but as soon as you start getting down the chain into the championship, you're talking about marketing teams of one zero people. Um, you know, they're or they're doing everything from match day communications to being the comms person to being the marketing person to being a bit of sponsorship, a bit of everything, or it's all volunteer led. Um, so it's it's difficult for clubs the further you get down to um do a lot of probably what they want to do, um, just because they don't have the availability to do it. Okay, and is there a little bit of uh, best practice you could maybe share with us, you know, given your experience um, within marketing, what do you think really works, you know, for, for clubs, um, for, you know, even for, even for, you know, managing bodies, you know, in terms of, in terms of marketing? It's a tricky question because it all, always depends on what the club's trying to achieve. But first and foremost, if I was me, uh, no matter what club you're at, is how you um, look after your fans. Put them first, and then everything falls in place after that. So um, it's how you communicate with your fans, how you engage them, how you what experience you offer them. And that's not just about what you do on match day. Um, that is obviously the bread and butter of what everybody's looking at, at match day. But all-round experience of um, how they can get information off you, whether it's been going on their website or dealing with club staff over the phone or in a club shop or um, asking questions on social media, um, getting replies on social media, um, you know, anything like that, the, the wider fan experience and remembering that that's re the reason why we're, we're here as clubs is, is for the fans. Mm. Okay, great answer. Um, perfect. Okay, so before I let you go, Michael, uh, we are going to move on to um, a question I'm asking every guest, which is, if you had a magic wand and you could uh, fix one thing about Scottish football or, or change one thing about Scottish football, what would it be? I would expand Scottish football market into really widen that and broaden that team with expertise so it could service clubs at all levels of the pyramid um, or a good chunk of the pyramid and in the women's game with their marketing efforts and um, whether that is you know it could as i think i touched on it before if people needed help with websites and there's there's funding available to help them with that you know email marketing whatever it may be um i would love to be able to basically see like an agency style that clubs can come to um, and get the support that they need. 
Great. Okay. Really interesting. Thank you, Michael. Um, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on uh, to come on the pod. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for uh, for the poll you ran and for all your insights. So uh, no doubt we'll be getting you back on uh, sometime soon. No worries. Thanks for having me on.